our thoughts can be materialized only because it gives you energy to do actions. Mm, and I love then that. it's in the world, right? It's presence. So that's why I think that having this almost like a childish belief in yourself that you don't give up, but then use your maturity to do these actions and be present in the contemporary world and society, I think that's very important. And on this episode, I'm blessed to be joined by the one and only Adelina Takesh-Sheliadze. Hi, thank you very much for having me. And I apologize for, for certain, butchering your last name, but I, <laughs> no, I no, appreciate you did a good job. <laughs> okay, amazing. Well, Adelina, I think we spoke for the first time probably like two, three years ago. Exactly, yeah. I want to say. And I think one of the things which um, I found super inspiring about your story and really interesting is obviously you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you're also a, a professionally trained classical musician. That's it, musician? Yeah. I wanted to check you're professionally trained, yeah. Um, because for me, uh, all the traits and skill sets that go into being a great entrepreneur are skill sets and traits that you see in people who have dedicated so much time and Absolutely. discipline to their craft, right? So tell us about how you got started into classical music and a bit about that journey. Yeah. So actually, I have been playing classical music since very early childhood. I was in a music school and I was a pianist. And later, actually, I actually have a very interesting story because, you know, I originally come from Russia and Russian classical music is very like uh, rough in many ways. You know, sometimes it can put you off practice because teachers are really, you know, Soviet trained and okay. it's quite <laughs> difficult sometimes. That's exactly what happened to me. However, I always love music it was always part of my life and I can't really imagine my life without music really however at some point my, my father is also an entrepreneur and he really you know want me to pursue you know economics and the business studies and actually I came to London first to study business management and okay. actually I was planning to go to Cas business school to do to apply to risk investment course and I was really preparing on my foundation for that however on the first months I really felt like it's not my cup of tea completely I always was an art person deep inside and I just felt like that was not my way. Mm. And I transferred to another course. It was just a general course because, you know, like you have to, as an immigrant, you have to do foundation here course before you actually go to the university. Okay, I wasn't so aware. it was a, just a general uh, foundation on arts and media course. And uh, after, however, I always used to practice piano and never kind of gave up that part of my life anyway. And then I saw this Goldsmiths University and it was really interesting to me because it's very progressive. It's not very conservative. And um, yeah, it just allows you to be very creative and not necessarily you know it's not the approach that conserva traditional mm -hmm. conservative arts take really and uh, after that I applied for auditions and uh, just uh, they I was accepted to classical music uh, course and, that's and was where that I a started. difficult conversation with your dad saying I'm dropping out of business <laughs> management I'm not doing economics I'm going back to I was, piano <laughs> yeah I was 18 and rebel so it was kind of a tantrum that I Fine, threw okay. <laughs> I was like either that or nothing you know yeah. <laughs> but I genuinely felt like it was my way and right now I really understand that you know, sometimes you have to listen to your gut, really. Mm. And I think you always have to listen to your gut. Absolutely, to be yes. And uh, I genuinely feel like without having to go through this path where I was 
trained, a professional trained musician where I had to really understand what it feels like to decade all your life, really, because there was no like social life, nothing, yeah. because I had to practice since early morning until the evening. So that's great uh, practice of being an entrepreneur, just exactly. getting rid of the social life is it's a good a start. It's a great discipline <laughs> because <laughs> playing an instrument requires this discipline. Yeah. So, yeah, and I really understood also this part when it comes to frustration, when it com- when you spend and dedicate so much time, when you commit to your art, and then not being able to get job opportunities and really to sell yourself because this is not what something what they teach you in universities mm. and this is a problem that many artists really struggle with and this is how i realized that there is this problem that i wanted to solve somehow and yeah and this is how the idea for my platform was born super interesting because i think you know if you're just looking at um, a craft or a talent in that way you know intrinsically then obviously the discipline um, which is required to become good at it is all down to you, right? If you're disciplined, if you work hard, you will make this work, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a, a solo activity in that sense. But then obviously when you start getting into the environment of trying to make money as a classical musician, for example, that's obviously when external circumstances mm-hmm. come in. Exactly. And now it's like, okay, no matter what I do in this part, that doesn't necessarily equate to success in that outer world. Again, very similar yes. to being an entrepreneur. Um, and was that part of the the reason why you wanted to start helping these people? Yes, exactly, actually. When you say that this is a very solo journey, I also, the reason why I really wanted to do this business is because I wanted to be more out there with other people. Because especially mm-hmm. as a pianist, it's not necessarily an orchestral instrument where you are always surrounded by people. Also, my master's was in contemporary composition. Composing is also a very lonely job. Right. And I have dedicated and committed so much time to it that I really understood that I want to be out there in the real world with other people a little bit more because, you know, it's we are sociable creatures. Mm-hmm. It's extremely important to be out there. This is how you learn about yourself, how you reflect on other people, how you really understand your weaknesses and strengths as well. So I really create this path for some reason and now I understand why because it completely shifted my understanding on so many things and... Um, Yes, absolutely. Also, artists in general, they are very humble, very... Um, yeah, people who really don't like this process of sales. For some reason, they even think it's not something pure and, you know, right. like... Uh, yeah, yeah. So art is somewhere there and sales are just down there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at the very bottom. However, they can't survive without, without that bottom chain as they think about it, right? And... Um, I really also try to change its mindset when I talk to people. And actually, I also had to do some, you know, work on my mentality about this because um, your art can be not necessarily wanted or in demand and you really have to sometimes amend it and do this kind of uh, product development in a way Mm. on your service as well. So it's actually in demand and also sells. So... Yeah, this is, this is how I also saw that our platform can really help these artists mm-hmm. because they will not necessarily have to just, you know, change their, like, change their lifestyles too much. They will just have this backup and help 
and support, you know, that we will offer them. So I yeah. think it's very important for these people to have it because it's also a very big problem that especially in the music industry, uh, artists and musicians are being exploited, you know, by labels, agents, everyone. They are really actually down their chain that they receive actually the income from their art. Yeah. Everybody benefits, but they get the so lowest margin. So this is a really interesting one because this is something that I'm seeing and has happened for, you know, probably hundreds of years yeah. I assume I don't know maybe not hundreds but um and but something I'm seeing more and more about take us through that process why is it that artists get such little um and just break down what that normally looks like yeah uh so you know why is this happening it's a very good question exactly I think that historically artists are just not people who have this business mindset in the mm. first place. They really focus on the art and it actually requires such a discipline, such a dedication, such commitment that they, you have to completely swap your understanding and your approach in order to actually start selling it, you know? And it's not easy to be on one side and suddenly just to go to another side, right? Like where you're creative and have this inspiration and on, like so committed and deep into the working process. And then you suddenly have to completely switch your uh, mentality and be able to see it from a very detached perspective where you look at it not as your be your piece mm-hmm. of art but at your product right mm-hmm. and uh, sounds a lot like being an entrepreneur <laughs> exactly say, yeah. yes absolutely mm. that's why it was so interesting for me as well to go through this journey and really because in the very beginning i had a completely different um approach to our project as well to our startup because i saw that it was like my baby you know i really yeah. had this vision and i didn't want to change it but then after i realized that actually you have to talk to customers do this product development interviews really then you amend all these things mm-hmm. and you realize that it's in the end of the day um what you're trying to do you're trying to bring value right mm-hmm. but this takes a lot of work to yeah. really understand that and traditionally there are different setups there are labels of course who sign you up and they get basically a margin because they invest in so much money into you right mm-hmm. they invest into marketing into the streaming platforms mm-hmm. they distribute your music they sign up with other partners where you with venues everything right so obviously they do all this work for you that you wouldn't be able to do necessarily yourself because if you think about each artist is also kind of a startup right yeah so definitely so is it able like a vc Exactly. comparison. Absolutely, okay. yes. And uh, agents are like um, business angels in a way as okay. well, you yeah, know, if yeah. you think about <laughs> it as well. And uh, artists don't really know how to set up boundaries, first of all. Then they, you know, uh, don't know how to handle the bu- business side of uh, bureauc- bureaucracy, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this end up, ends up to them just um, not really delegating delegating their responsibilities but relying on someone else you know mm-hmm. that's the difference here because if you are delegating you understand what you are doing you mm-hmm. you understand that you still hold the responsibility but instead they just say okay i don't want to even know about the business side of things i don't care i just want to focus on my art you know but that's not a very mature approach yes. in many ways and that's, that's why they're being exploited that's i mean that's really interesting and i mean there's so many parallels with being an entrepreneur because Absolutely. i know entrepreneurs who have very unadvisedly been like well i've got lawyers you know i'm not going to deal with that side of the business yeah. or but that's, that's really interesting so it's as, as much an education piece really which is saying the artistic process or the process of creation let's call mm-hmm. it which might yeah. be consistent across entrepreneurialism art you know w- whatever it might be the process of creation if you're just doing it 
for the intrinsic value of creating, then, you know, fair enough. And if that's what you're getting satisfaction from. But if you are looking to monetize your creation, you can't just brush off the business elements, right? You've Absolutely. got to stay really integral. So with the business that you're building now, um, tell us a bit about it and, and how are you helping artists monetize their art? Yeah, of course. So our business is called Sulpond and uh, we are changing the way that how artistic services can be purchased because when it comes to hiring people, it's always a complicated process. You need to tackle so many issues such as availability, really finding this uh, right person, you know, understanding whether they're good or not. How do you know? How do you measure this? Because you don't understand, right? You don't have this education necessarily. And I mean, some people have you know, good taste, uh, good hearing, and good, uh, yeah, good understanding about. It. However, not everyone. And uh, currently, we are targeting businesses who want to hire artists for their corporate events. This is our beginning. However, we are looking to expand further as well, and uh, we want. Uh, businesses let's just go from this way so if you're making an event right so you can go to our platform in a text form you can describe your event and answer some questions when it comes to availability what is necessarily what artists do you need for example you need musicians photographer videographer an event host let's say or some dancers or other form of entertainment uh we will match you with perfect artists. We will give you suggestions. You can select them, put them in a shopping cart, and then generate one unified contract and billing. And after that, we will put you all in one group chat where you will be able to talk to these people already. And but however, they will already know all the requirements. Yeah. It will be just uh, coming to discussing some details. And we will also support them with AI communication assistance. It's, it will support project briefing because it's a very big problem that... Um, people don't necessarily know how to explain what they want when it comes to artistic services mm. and what kind of music, you know, like it's really difficult for them because they don't have this education, this background and, this, and they don't need to really know that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. And um, uh, yes, so basically we will support them with that too, especially it will be relevant when we introduce original music sales for marketing agencies because for example you have a marketing campaign mm -hmm. you want to order um, music for your video right and how do you say and how do you explain what exactly do you want right yes, so right, do you want yeah. having done that before it's difficult really yeah, yeah, <laughs> Did you? yeah. how was it so my, for my last company real sport so we were a you know sports media platform as well as content creation mm -hmm. toolkit and we were creating hundreds of pieces of content a week and we had three parts of the platforms we had sort of free content we had sponsored content where we were working with brands to build that content so domino's pizza lucas aid and then oh. we had a premium subscription tier where we were creating our own really, really high quality content we were doing stuff with like mma fighters looking at their diets and and just you know like really interesting. really interesting yeah really cool stuff but we were having to as much syndication as possible to mm -hmm. try and, and we were working with producers to create tracks for us um you know exclusively um it's actually something we did with Davier and, and idiots of we produced a few tracks with them interestingly um and when we were going through the process of trying to describe what we want exactly not easy yeah, easy. yeah, how did you actually find these artists? I'm just curious. Um, so we had, uh, so a few friends of mine had labels. Okay. Um, so we used a couple of them. 
um but otherwise we were we were working with agencies and yeah it was it was, it was difficult it was a challenge uh, especially a, as a bootstrapped startup yeah exactly to try and you know do that in a cost-effective way even more difficult that's true especially if you had to do it through a little bit label right yeah it could be another challenge that's yeah. true yeah and you see uh, this there it is you know so you yeah. know the challenge it's actually very interesting that you had this experience yourself and um, yeah, so how do you describe really? So do you say you want something jazzy or not really, you know, something motivating, uplifting, you know, all these words that you use. However, words are uh, very abstract creatures, yes. right? So one thing you mean, another thing is perceived, right? So in order to make it work and for, for the result to be to your satisfaction, really, this uh, requires a good technical task, you know, and this what we are also solving for the mm. businesses. Super interesting. Um, yeah, it's a really uh, great concept and something that I talk about a lot in terms of the you know, inability for words to often describe something when it comes to you know, art or things which are indescribable. But what I'm interested in is obviously now we have a cost of living crisis in the UK. I know you're based in Berlin. Um, but you know, globally, economically, things are quite tough right now. Mm-hmm, How true. is that impacting artists? How is that impacting your industry? It's impacting really badly, actually. Yes, that's true. Because art, um, and that's exactly actually where we saw the product market fit for our platform. Because right now, obviously, everybody is affected, and uh, companies are not doing so many performances, especially due to COVID. Actually, right? Yeah. Like they realize how much money they are saving uh, in order not to run all these uh, big events and mm-hmm. conferences and all these things, right? And right now, financial crisis, right? It also shows uh, that. People are also trying to save money everywhere possible. And actually, statistics says that it's already 29% of companies have opted to put their event organization services in-house. So instead of relying on event agencies who charge high bills, right? And that's exactly when we discovered this and after the uh, interviews with potential clients from corporate industry, I've seen that actually this is exactly where our, our platform can help because artists will you know we we will give guidance in order to for example how much artists should really charge according to their location right because location really changes it as a market right would you say that's the the biggest factor is location Uh, location also of course your skill also of course your experience like anywhere right so if for example you are a top notch pianist or just jazz singer you know like it's a of course you can have a different um price right however there is a general guidance anyway because it's Mm -hmm. also a problem that artists don't even know how much their services cost that's Mm -hmm. actually another problem they really don't understand like am i too expensive or too cheap and they also have this fear of losing clients potentially right so they don't really know i see the same with a lot of photographers and and that's exactly it yes Mm -hmm. and we are also helping photographers as well we're also including them in the platform too and uh, that's exactly it so that's why, however, we uh, decided that we will let market decide for itself. We will give guidance, but they will set their prices, you know, according. Because also it varies. You can't really set it strict because it depends on hours, how many hours you have to commute there, you know, like so everything. Like, so there are so mm. many details, you know, that uh, are involved. However, yes, and uh, I really think that this approach will give them more opportunities because it will mm. be more accessible for people to purchase artistic services and also yeah but of course it affects really heavily lots of uh, artists uh, even due to covid already sure you know it's like a double whammy right more than 30 percent of musicians have 
uh, stopped being musicians really professionally and they have opted for more, uh, you know, sustainable that and stable career. That yes. must be really, you know, mentally brutal. It's very brutal, of course, yeah. because you have spent all your life doing this and also people really have graduated from the most established places and I personally have so many friends who have finished even, you know, top uh, conservatoires like Royal Academy and, and Royal College of Music and still no job opportunities, right? Mm. So, of course, it's extremely tough because yeah. also education is expensive there. So, and you invest so much, not just time, but also money and then on, uh, yeah, on the exit you don't have. How this. big of a threat is AI to your industry? It's a good question, actually. I'm it's sure you get asked <laughs> this a lot. Yes, and I love this question because actually back in March, I attended this conference in Salzburg. It was a conference in Karajan Music Institute and it was all dedicated to AI. And I was impressed how musicians are actually excited about AI. Yeah? Okay, yes. I'm surprised to hear yes. that. Yes, absolutely. Because lots of composers use AI into in opera making, in, um, you know, various experiments. They think it's like their f friend, you know, who is always ready to do anything and is up to any cool gig, you know, kind yeah, of. Okay. So that's how they perceive it. Obviously, it might be a threat, however... Uh, when it comes to music that's in music libraries and things like that. However, I have seen only good things, you know, actually. And I was extremely surprised myself because I also thought personally that it could be a threat. Mm. But uh, after attending this conference, I have completely changed my mind. And there is, for example, a, t uh, a project called Beethoven AI Okay. And he has uh, written a 10th symphony, but how, uh, he has nine only. Yeah. But the 10th one he has started and never finished because mm -hmm. he passed away. And uh, actually the project was that uh, a composer using AI and by analyzing all his previous work styles, you wow. know, like the evaluation, they have actually finished this symphony. How was it? It was great, yeah. actually. Yes, it was super interesting. So wow. I think it gives so many opportunities. It still scares people. Because doesn't it eventually cannibalize the market, like on a yeah. long enough time horizon? Well, in some way. But what, of course, you know, there is a difference between assistive AI and generative AI. Mm -hmm. You know, and when it comes to assistive, I think that it's a very good tool. But generative, of course, with everything, you have to be super careful. And yeah. I understand, for example, in filmmaking industry right now, there are you know, strikes Afra, right yeah, now, yeah. right? And why they are striking? Because uh, actors are also being underpaid and also their images can be exploited. And uh, by using AI, they just like take a single shot of you and then use your face yeah. on you know like everywhere like and you don't even have to personally attend the show. you shooting. get paid for one day right yes but you get paid for I, one uh, day yeah. I went for dinner with a friend uh, on Friday who's an actor and uh, we were talking about this and he was like I don't see an end in sight to this argument like this is yeah, that's and true. even People if they can that. and even if they can resolve it this time um, the next year or the next time they're reevaluating these contracts like it's going to be the same thing again and again and yes. again so yeah it's really interesting yeah, it's a it's a big conflict. However, yes, because it's also a huge industry, mm. right? And yeah, um, so this one is really tricky. But overall, I think that, of course, in every industry, I think that AI is potentially a threat. But it's really 
uh, up to us how we use it first of all and I, I don't know even you know how things are going because everything is escalating so quickly and changing so quickly mm. you know a year ago we didn't have really charge GPT, but now I can't imagine my life without it's it crazy, right, right? It's crazy how fast it integrates in our lives really yes well that's a really good point there's a couple things here so one I recently had a, a call with a friend of mine who lives out in Palo Alto okay. and he was saying that you know during COVID a lot of tech talent a lot of of capital left um sf and moved to you know miami austin other places he's saying since the ai explosion and all the ai talent being in san francisco he's like everyone's had to come back because people who are out of sf for more than six months are just left behind in terms of the rate of innovation which is interesting Mm -hmm. but you use a really great word there which is integration and that's actually where i get a little bit concerned about ai because one of the things that always follows a period of technological innovation is integration Mm -hmm. whether it being the television the smartphone social media something happens and then we have some time to figure out how to use it what does it mean for us honeymoon period then okay there are some concerns how do we legislate for those pretty standard but the rate of innovation now is so much so that soon it will be you know in the same way if i give my parents a new piece of technology right because they have been you know out of of using technology regularly Mm -hmm. for five six ten years but i think it will get quicker and quicker so now it'll be if you haven't you know been on top of ai every three months it's going to be difficult for us to integrate things you know, just how do how do we use these things? And I think so much of the innovation is happening at a, you know, software level um, where it's totally back end. It's like, how do we even get our heads around it? Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are you particularly technical yourself? Yes, actually, I think. Because I'm, I'm not. Because I'm not. And, and for me, it's, it's, you know, having built two tech companies, I'm like, okay, actually how, you know, being able to stay on top of how to utilize it is going to be tough. Well, I'm just really curious because, you know, when it comes to when I was a composer, I also used lots of technologies, you Mm -hmm. know, there are various uh, applications, various software, you know, and really helps you because uh, otherwise you can't really make a living either that's why i always i i was not always a tech person and i still am learning so much but um inevitably i had to we had as well i remember a class uh, music tech it was called Mm -hmm. where we had to learn all these things because you know it used to be that the composer would go to a church and you can have a you know a small chamber orchestra there that you can use for rehearsals and everything um these days there is no such a luxury you know that's why you use civilian and applications like that in order to really and logic and all the other software so that uh, helps you to really create your art because otherwise Mm. yes you know it's not with a pen paper anymore (laughs) of course super interesting so really if you're a musician you are at the forefront of technology yes exactly you 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 have to be you know because exactly there is so many experimental work going on you know and all requires different tools for example even when it comes to um guitar you have so many pedals everything you know like so you just have to it's inevitable yes and even like the 20th century it showed that you know when it was way less technological back then even people used back then for example there was the first electronic instrument on Mortineau people had to learn that you know they can what was it called on Mortineau okay yeah it's the first ever um uh, invented uh, electronic instruments the sound wave basically yeah. and it's beautiful sounds absolutely beautifully and yes yeah, so there were um, i think that composers always had to be innovative in these ways because also this is because what's art in the end of the day it's a reflection of today 
mm-hmm. you know and in order to really feel and be feel the environment around you and be able to reflect in your art you really need to be up to date you know mm. otherwise what's the point of being back then you know yeah. if today is today so yes of course i'm still learning so many things but um yeah i'm i'm really curious always when there is something out there i'm very curious to try yeah yeah okay super interesting all right i have five questions for you that i ask everyone okay not, not quick fire or anything what's the single biggest risk you've ever taken and what was the outcome um, interesting question probably actually i think when i changed completely my path in my education you know i came here one more time as we started this conversation i came to study business and economics and all these things you know financial uh, industry related to uh, however i have changed my path completely and chose to become um, an artist you know and i definitely think it was biggest risk for me because it shaped my life really <laughs> that one decision has shaped all my life until today and um i think that was the best decision nice okay yeah. and what are you proudest of <laughs> proudest of i think you know probably of being able to attract really incredible people mm-hmm. because i'm super great grateful of this and you know there is a saying that um you are it's not um it it's not something that i did that these people are so incredible but it's definitely something that i should be proud of that they're next to me and they're walking by me you know yeah. and i have an incredible team these i have an incredible co-founder his name is arthur and he's the cto in our startup mm-hmm. and uh, without him i couldn't do this because you know uh, it's always a teamwork it's always uh the people that you are sharing your journey with mm-hmm. and i'm very grateful and very proud that i was capable of attracting these people and working with them for such a long time already and and on our team keeps expanding and uh, also we are onboarding currently a new team member mm-hmm. and she's also incredible and all these people are very talented uh, very uh, mature very driven and it's amazing that they want to be involved in social point you know yeah. so i think that's yeah, that's something I'm really proud of. That's great. And I think um great, great, you know, lesson for every entrepreneur is gratitude is so important. Absolutely. On that journey, right? There's uh you know, you've got to always keep yourself in check, remembering all the opportunities that you have, the amazing people that you work with. Um and how because how long have you been working on the the, the platform now? It's been on and off, you know, on like off, so yeah. yes, we started the initial idea, yes, two to three years ago. Mm-hmm. However, we stopped some time because there were some political issues all the things you know like my co-founder had to relocate uh-huh. and all these things so we stopped for yeah i would say almost a year and then we commenced the project and uh, now i would say that we have been working very intensively on it for um yeah more than a year now nice but that's a kind of a, yeah i understand and how did it feel having to take a break at that point and how was it uh, to bring it back together because i think that that can be a really really difficult thing that's true that's very true it felt uh, in the moment it felt like there was no other decision really Mm -hmm. to take because uh it was such a because yes uh, political situation the war and everything you know it was such a depressive 
time and still is really because it's not ended and um, there was no really other solution in that point and everybody felt so down really and out of energy out of resources people were shocked and in panic what to do what to do next you know so there yeah so that's why i don't think that we were capable of continuing it mm. back then and it's very good that we have taking this rest otherwise we would have burned out yeah, and never yeah. continued so i think it was a very good decision that we did that because then we uh, my co-founder settled in amsterdam i'm in berlin mm -hmm. right now so relocated and uh, all these things so we now are more you know full of energy and ready to really continue with you know with Yes, basically, it's a new kind of chapter of yeah. the project. Yes, that's, that's great. That's great. And you're right, you know, being able to, I suppose, trying to put a good spin on everything, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to take a year out to refresh, recharge, go again. Um, you know, in two, three years' time, you're going to be so grateful for that time off, right? Exactly. Sometimes you have to. And also, again, listen to your gut, right? Mm, yes, absolutely. Big time. Okay, my next question for you is, on your journey, is there anything that you wish you did differently? Yes, <laughs> so many things. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, going to the very beginning, I was um, a little bit more stubborn and also being an artist and thinking that I know it, I have my vision, you know, all this mm -hmm. kind of attitude. I, yeah, I could have saved so much more money. <laughs> and also time and do many things differently however i'm still grateful because it just couldn't go any other way mm. i'm it's my journey and you know that's why it's very important that you don't compare yourself to anyone really other entrepreneurs everybody has such a different story such a different background you know and that's your strengths and weaknesses at the same time like everything in this world so i'm still very grateful so but if i were to meet adelina three years ago i would tell her okay you can read right now uh <laughs> lynn start the book the mom test yeah. all these books you know and then start the project but i was thinking you know i know artists i know how to do it best you know like what can you teach me now? It was sick. I messed a little bit. No, do you know what? It's, it's so funny because I was the exact same as a first-time founder. Really? Of course. I think every first-time founder is. And I think it's because, well, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. One thing I find funny about it is every single more experienced founder you speak to, second-time founder, people who've been on the journey for a couple of years, every single one will tell you, I wish I'd listened more. I listened less. Exactly. But still, even as a first-time founder, the ones who are coming through now, they hear that and they're still like, no, 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 but I still know. Exactly. I have I my still... vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I believe in my product. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why that is. Uh, but I also, I, my gut tells me the reason why that is, is because actually as a first time entrepreneur, you're doing so many things that you have no idea what you're doing. Exactly. Almost the only way to keep on pushing is to have that delusion. Yes. Right, is to have that like, no, 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 this is going to be fine, it's going to work. Because probably if you really start, you know, reading the Lean Start and reading all these things, you're like, oh, I'm nowhere near where I need to be, right? Mm. And it's it's almost in many ways easier to have your head in the sand but keep on That's pushing. True. And you can learn amazing things by continuing to push. And, you know, it's it's a funny one. Sometimes you learn more by just going for it even when you're totally unready 
Um, and then, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I feel it's very interesting because I think if I told Adelina, like, oh, you actually will have to go through in order to be where you are right now, I don't think I would go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because actually it's terrifying. It's such a long journey if you think about yeah. it. That's why you're very right. It's actually such an interesting story to share that, mm. you know, it's sometimes better to be in that delusion. Yeah, it's this is it. Fun. Yes, if you were awake to the desperate challenges of, of <laughs> no. being a founder you'd be like no i'm good i'm good yeah yeah um have there ever been moments in the the journey especially where it had you know an element of stop mm -hmm. start where you're like i'm done i can't do this that's a good question um you know never i have thought that for sure for 100 mm percent -hmm. you know never i really told my team okay stop that's it you know like i never i really felt this strong give up feeling inside of me and like not to that point with where i would actually give up mm -hmm. however lots of thoughts of course <laughs> lots of thoughts maybe i shouldn't you know maybe it will never work yeah. lots of doubts many doubts and that's why i'm saying that i would never be able to do it without my team yes never because sometimes even when i give the you know a bit of doubt to my co-founder he's just like and so what? Are we going to stop now here? Yeah. Of course not. <laughs> and I do sometimes get the role reversal. Yes, of course. To you, like, you've got to be the strong one. And yes, then, yeah, and yeah. it's so important to yeah. have someone to that can have your back, you know? Definitely. And, and to have this opportunity even to show weakness, you know? Mm. Because we are all human beings and the world is, again, like so um, changing so fast, you know? And so many things are happening. So it's just impossible that you're always 100% confident and going there, especially when you're first-time founder, okay? Maybe yes. when you have more experience, but in my shoes, it would have been possible. So that's why I'm saying that, yes, the, the team, uh, yeah, is everything, really. Agreed, agreed. And uh, I'm a solo founder now, okay. but with my first company, I had a co-founder. And even though me and my co-founder had a ton of issues, um, we would have, yeah, we had a ton of issues. So, I mean, it's probably like a, a, a good catalog of what not to do in co-founding relationships i don't we got on very well but um but so grateful that i had a co-founder in of that course. business because exactly that you know when you're going through it the first time you don't know what you're doing and it's just a role an existential roller coaster exactly. right i mean that, <laughs> yeah. that's the only Good way to, to describe it right yeah. um so yeah having having strong co-founder relationships super important there okay my next question for you is what does it take to be successful Okay, good questions you have there, you know. <laughs> so what does it take to be successful? Hmm. Oh, I think, obviously, I don't know yet, <laughs> but... Well, it depends how you define success, right? Exactly, it depends on it, really. But I, I think that success is a progress in many ways, you know. So definitely, then maybe I know, you know, because if, if you I look back, I have done lot of progress to compare it to my previous version of myself so mm -hmm. and i really think that this is the ability to be able to put your ego aside and uh do self-reflection mm. so this relates to so many things when it comes to the team to making decisions to really how you approach other people how you take challenges because you know sometimes something some things are scary or you have anxiety all these mental issues that you can have uh, like we all do, I think, to some extent or another, and being able to sit down to yourself and have honest conversations and say, why do I feel this way, you know, like, and uh, why did I do this or not that, and really to have this reflect, be, being able to self-reflect. Mm -hmm. And this is not easy because many people are, you know, 
afraid of even staying alone for a minute, you know? I, I think most of people's lives are, are driven by them not wanting to be self-aware. Exactly. For a lot yes. of people anyway. It's yeah. very scary for them. That's why, you know, they hide their feelings in a bottle of wine or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, And uh, it takes some strength really to go and take another way. So in my understanding, that's something that this strength is something that kept me going really and made me not stop and also to learn and do the progress I have done to this point and I will do more of course so yes to me personally this is this ability to self-reflect mm. and have you always been someone who has that ability or is that something that developed over time um I've always been a spiritual person and uh, really a seeking person especially mm -hmm. as an artist you know and I always uh, loved um, different teachings like Buddhism and meditation, all these aspects. I'm genuinely curious about everything. Mm -hmm. I don't uh, take just one pass or, you know, put myself in one, um, under one umbrella, but I'm just curious about life overall. And there are so many different tools, you know, psychotherapy and meditation, various tools, uh, you know, that you can use in order to learn about yourself. Mm. And it's exciting because we don't really know ourselves, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the more we think we know, that will crumble. Exactly. Very quickly, yeah. And this is what excites me because, you know, even, for example, even three years ago, I couldn't even imagine having such a conversation with you mm -hmm. today. But by being curious and really seeing, like, so how it will go, what I will take from this, how it will shape me as a person, you know, how will I feel, how I will reflect to it, you know, it's something that I was always curious about. And I think that, you know, to some extent, it was always with me, but of course, developed over time mm. and still develops. 100%. My last question for you is. 15-year-old Adelina walks in the room right now. <laughs> what are you going to tell her? Just really learn how to love yourself and accept yourself and appreciate what you have. Don't compare yourself to other people, but to yourself. It can sound cliche, but it's so important because we constantly compare ourselves to each other in this competitive world. And I would definitely tell her that uh, she shouldn't do this. She should only look inside and listen carefully, not being distracted, and just keep pursuing dreams. It's so important to have a dream because it really drives you, you know, like it gives you this energy inside that you can then realize because I, I don't really believe that, you know, people say that, okay, just to follow your dreams, like, okay, our thoughts can be materialized only because it gives you energy to do actions. Mm, and I then it's in the world, right? Presence. So that's why... I think that having this almost like a childish belief in yourself that you don't give up, but then use your maturity to do these actions and be present in the contemporary world and society, I think that it's very important. So that's what something that I would tell her definitely. Yeah, amazing. I mean, that's a that's a fantastic answer. Okay, where can people find you? LinkedIn. Instagram, but mostly LinkedIn. So Adelina Tkeshiliadze is a complicated one, but please connect. And also, of course, sulpon.com, our platform and our one-stop destination for artists and businesses. Adelina, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was such an incredible conversation. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thanks for watching the episode. And if you haven't subscribed, please hit subscribe below so that you can support the podcast and we can keep on bringing you amazing new guests. If you want to see the other amazing episodes in this podcast, click into our series section.
As ever, if there are any other guests or topics you want us to explore, just let me know in the comments and we'll do our best to bring someone in.